Welcome to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Reyes, a college student here to help you fashion your passion and transform your life. This past year, I've learned a lot about living out your true passions and implementing the best habits, and I'm ready to share these tips with you. Season three is nothing like you've ever heard on any other podcast before, and I'm so excited to take you on this journey with me. Let's get to it. As many of you know, this podcast was just a 4 a.m. idea in preparation for a school project. Now it is a way that I get to spread my voice and help other teens create the best habits for their life. I want to hear your voice too. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's all the tools you need in the app or on their website. And my favorite part is that Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You can make money from your podcast too. It's everything you need. And all you have to do is go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy that you decided to tune in today. You are listening to episode number 50. And if you're watching this on YouTube or you read the description of the podcast already, you already know who my guest for this week is. And if you don't know her, I literally don't know where you are. Like you live under a rock or something because she's all over social media. She's all over my social media too. And so I am so excited to welcome back to the podcast, the woman who has the highest listened to episode on the podcast so far. Melissa Perch, welcome to the show, Perch. It's glad to have you Yay. back. I am so excited to be here for episode five. Oh, I cannot believe it. Congratulations to you. It is absolutely crazy that we're at episode 50, like literally more than a year ago was when we recorded your episode. And I remember I walked into that, we recorded three times. And I walked in that room every single time and I was literally shaking because I just like didn't know what to do with myself. It's been a journey. And now we're here over Zoom, unfortunately, but we're here and, you know, I'm still nervous, but <laughs> we're good for now. The podcast um, has come such a long way. I, I hope your listeners see its growth. It's really been amazing to watch it grow and what a journey you've been on. So congrats. This is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So the last episode that we did together, we talked a lot about goals, how to achieve goals, sort of getting through all of those roadblocks that we have, you know, and sort of that whole idea of just like achieving something in life. And I think that, you know, I was thinking the other day on my walk, I was like, I want to do an episode about how to sort of curate your dream life. And I was like, when should I do it? And I was like, wait a second. I was like, who is the more perfect person to do this episode with than with Perch? And I was so happy. You're like, yeah, that's perfect. Let's do it. And so I am so excited to talk about that today. I think what I want to do first is sort of lay groundwork for like what that means. So I feel like we throw it up in the air so much. Oh, like work towards your dream life, create this dream life, like all this stuff like that. So what is sort of your take on the concept, your perspective on the concept and stuff like that? So for me, creating, and thank you for seeing my life as a dream life. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> for me, living a life that is what you really want is number one, listening to yourself. You're always going to get voices from voices around you that have ideas for your life. And I think it's very important to listen to yourself. That's number one. You have to follow what you believe is your path. And then balancing the different things that make a life that is exciting and fun and fulfilling. Work, play, family, passions. There's a lot of things that go into making a life that is 
really what you want. And what happens to us, unfortunately, and I know I've been there in my own life, is we get stuck into one of those elements and the other things fall short and we don't feel as excited and as uh, fulfilled. And listen, there's a season for that. There's been times in my life where I've been bogged down with work or you know, immersed in a family thing going on and the other things get out of whack. <laughs> it's finding that balance and paying very close attention to your own voice and seeing and recognizing something's missing, something's off, let me press pause, let me take a look around. What am I doing? How am I a player in this game? It's very easy to blame people, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How am I a player in this game? And what do I need to find my own balance and get back to the life that I really want to live? Yeah, 100%. And I feel like I love the touch on, you know, that sometimes like there are certain areas that just have more focus on them. And I believe that there are certain seasons where you have to focus on one area, but it doesn't mean that other areas sort of have to suffer tremendously. They may, you know, you may just not have as much focus on them, but they don't have to suffer tremendously. I want to, you know, sort of take it back to kid Melissa and her Mm -hmm. sort of dream life and what she wanted to do, you know, when she 20, 30 years from that point. And so what were sort of like her dreams and aspirations? And do you think you've accomplished some of them, many of them? And like, how has it sort of evolved throughout your life? Yeah. So I grew up in a very close-knit, 100% Italian family, old school. The weekends were, I mean, you name it, the stereotype, we lived it. (laughs) I, you know, I just, that was my upbringing. Sunday was a family dinner. I spent a lot of time on the weekends with my grandparents, my great aunts. My parents moved an hour outside of the Bronx, New York, when before we were born. My brother and I have an older brother. And when I was a kid, I was always in the Bronx. I was always with that extended family, even though my parents ventured out. It was a big mm-hmm. deal. For them that they ventured out and moved us up to Mayapak, New York, where I was raised. My parents wanted to raise us outside of the city. As a kid, I always knew family was important to me and I always wanted to have my own family. And that was a dream of mine and an expectation for my own life that I always had. I knew I always wanted children. And because my parents, I think, made that move away from their tight-knit family to find a home, a backyard, and things that they wanted for their children. I didn't have a fear of that, and I was excited to do that too. I also was always raised in a family that believed in education, believed that you can do better if you work hard, you can get what you want if you put your mind to it. My father was a hard worker. He was up in the morning before we went to school, out the door at his job. My mom did stay home with us until later, but she was on top of our schoolwork, really taught us how to be responsible, even financially, because that's part of what I always felt like was part of as a kid, what I value too was being financially responsible. I remember having my first job when I was, I was 12 years old. I worked for a family friend. I actually tell this story in my classroom sometimes and I, it's hysterical. I mean, I was 12 years old. I worked for a family friend at a small business making calls, trying to drum up business for a lawn company. What I knew about lawns was mm-hmm. nothing, but I knew how to talk to people even as a young kid. And I would call up and try to get them to use a lawn service. And I would get a quarter. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm dating myself. I would get a quarter every time somebody said, sure, I'll have your service come to our house. And it was thrilling. You know, some nights I would make a dollar. But my father took me to 
the bank when I was very young, got me at the time a record book, a passbook, and I would go and I would bank my money. And my father would teach me how to look at those numbers and see the value of that. And my family didn't have elaborate things. My family didn't go on big elaborate vacations. But as a young kid, I understood the value of money. I knew I wanted for myself to have financial security, a family, a good husband, a hard worker like my father. I wanted to be a mom that did it all, made it look easy, <laughs> like my mom. I learned she was teasing me a lot. It was definitely an act because it's not easy. And I knew though, I did want a career. That was something that I thought I can do if I put my mind to it, like my parents told me. And I went to college and then my master's and I did things in my family that other people didn't. And my mom and dad always cheered me on, which is unfortunately not everybody has that. You don't need it, be clear, but it does help you to move in the direction of your dream. And it does help you, the support of the people around you. But I think I knew from a very young age that I knew family, finances, education, being very, I was always independent. I always did my own thing. Those were all important things to me growing up. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think, you know, it definitely like shines through to this day. But like, were there anything, you know, any sort of like ways of thinking or any sort of things that your family did or that you were just the culture that you were in did that you sort of had to break away from and say like, oh, like, I don't actually want that for my life. But even though I've been, you know, sort of influenced by it for so many years, like, that's why I'm sort of thinking this way. Yeah, well, it's funny, because like I said, my mom was a stay at home mom. So that was a big deal for me because I knew I wasn't going to be that. You know, my mom eventually worked again. She went back. She became a teaching assistant later on and she was always involved in the PTA and school functions and was wonderful with kids. And I think my mom would have been an outstanding teacher if her path took her in that direction. But for me, I knew I wasn't going to be a stay-at-home mom. So that was a little uncomfortable at first because I didn't know how to balance it because I didn't have that example in my own life. And it's been, for me, it's been, that's been one of my greatest challenges is trying to balance it all. I am very lucky. My husband, as you know, is a fire lieutenant. So his schedule allows for flexibility, which my father didn't have. But yeah, that was a step in a direction I didn't know. And it was a step for me that was a little uncomfortable. And you kind of learn to navigate as you go. But one thing I will say to you and your listeners is just because you don't see the example or live the example doesn't mean you can't do it differently and do it well. Mm -hmm. It's a little uncomfortable, a little scary because it does feel like you're in a pool you haven't seen before, but it can happen and it you figure it out. It's a clean slate. You can figure that out. No, a hundred percent. And I think that right now for me personally, like I'm doing things that my family never in a million years would think mm -hmm. I would do, including this podcast. You know, I've sort of had to challenge their ways of thinking and challenge their beliefs and say, you know, sometimes like maybe this isn't right for me and stuff like that. Because for the, what, from when I was nine to literally like three years ago, I wanted to follow the path of my mother, my great grandmother and all these people, you know, cause I was like, that's what I'm good at and that's what I should do. But in actuality, it's just sort of something that I'm good at, but not exactly what I need to do, you know, sort of as a holistic thing. Sure. I want to touch back 
to the whole sort of topic of support, especially when it's pursuing something that's not really a common thing. Because I feel like nowadays, like there are just so many unconventional careers, career paths and jobs and stuff like that. And like these, you know, people, like kids my age are like popping on them. Like it's, I don't know, like it just, it's going to go out so soon. And sometimes, you know, parents, teachers, friends, whoever, like just don't get it. So like, what's your best advice for those who just feel like they don't have any support in what they want to do? And they're very convinced that they want to do this. So it's funny. I think it's ingrained in us that we think family is the support that we will get and that we need. But what I've learned is my family maybe doesn't know, as you know, I'm very big in my big dream at this point is to get this book published. My parents don't know about publishing a book. You know, my mom, believe it or not, we laugh because my mom's like, how do you like to write? I hate to write, you know, and my mom hates to shop and I love to shop. So you're you're not always going to get that from your parents or even from your siblings. But I will tell you, and I hope my friends know this about me, I'm a ride or die friend. Sometimes you get what you need from people that aren't your family and you seek those people out and you don't let them go. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and you know this, I've gotten some of the greatest support from my own students, you included, to say, you can do that. Why not? And you don't know where your support's going to come from. So I would say to be open, be open to meeting new people. And when people allow you in, welcome them. Sometimes people, and I've done this before in my life, you we put up a wall mm-hmm. and I think that that's finding people that connect with you and support you. And sometimes in the most unlikely places <laughs> is as possible and it will give you what you need. I, I do think life provides us what we need and we just have to be open to it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And like, even with you and I, it's like, I was so upset that I was in your public speaking yeah. class yet. Like, you know, here we go. I remember it so vividly. It's like, Farrah emailed me over the summer and I just checked my schedule and she's like, hi, like, just want to like check in and see what's going on. I was like, first of all, I don't have you as a teacher and I'm very upset. And she's like, it's totally fine. Like, you're good. And I was like, I don't know about that one. I was like, this is great. Like, started my senior year. Like, how am I supposed to survive now? No, it's funny. And I don't know if you remember this, but, and I hope all the kids from our class, if they're listening, in 2019, I had come back. I had just had my last son and I got my schedule. And I said, oh my gosh, they gave me a ninth period of seniors. What a nightmare. And I know you guys know that by the end of that class, I mean, we were all so close and tight knit. It was magical in that room. And it was such a blessing because again, I found this amazing support. And actually that class was the reason I said, I need to write some of this down. Like we're sharing such amazing things that I've, I want to share with more teenagers in this crowd and that I have shared with more teenagers over the years. But you guys really were a big spark in writing what now is the book I'm trying to get published. So it's, it's crazy how things kind of pop up the way you need them to be, even when you want to resist that big time. So we were all making those calls. No, (laughs) literally a hundred percent. And I think that, you know, that class, like, I think a lot of us, a lot of my friends too, like we walked in there and we're like, Oh no, this is not happening right now. And, you know, come to now it's like, we, I feel like it was such like a, a dream team of sorts, you know, and it was so exciting to come there. Like, yes, ninth period sucks because like we want to get out there so badly, but I think we all made it work because we all knew that it sucked already, you know? So we walked in and we're like, okay, this sucks, but we all think the same way. So let's just do it, you know? Yeah. Yep. And we were all in the same boat and it worked. Yeah, it really did. I, that class is something that I've never experienced before and you know what? We did it. So 
It's all that matters. Quick plug for what you've been mentioning like four times already. Let's talk about that little thing of yours. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I wrote this book, Beyond the Bell, and I am in the process of querying literary agents and hoping one of them picks up the project and will help me sell it to a traditional publishing house. But the project, again, came from my students, as you know. It's 12 chapters. It's the lessons high school failed to teach. And it's about the space in between high school and college. It's about finding that career, fighting against the doubt that you might have internally. It's about finding love, getting your heart broken, the things that we go through in that space of high school and beginning of college that feels so big and scary, and it is, and acknowledging that and then saying, we all have survived it. I mean, it's something almost people don't talk enough about. It's like, yay, you're going to college and everyone's cheering you on. And the kid going to college is pretending they're excited, but there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of worry. And I remember even myself leaving home the first time you know, everybody's throwing the graduation party and everybody's so excited for this new adventure. And it is so exciting. But there is another emotion there that I think everybody goes through. And I think it's like everything else. Once you address it and acknowledge it and sit with it, you can handle it and move forward and really dive into the excitement. So that's kind of what the book tackles. And then it also tackles you graduate and you're trying to get a job that you don't know anything really about. You feel scared to death when you enter those interviews because they're asking you about your experience and you kind of have some, but it's a new thing. And then the book also gives all these lessons that I give to my own students upon graduation and about get out there and dream big and don't you dare let anyone tell you that you can't. Uh, my big thing is why not you? You know, you know, I've said that in class, you know, why not you? Who cares? So what? Someone's judging you or so what? Somebody is saying that's not your career. Well, there's one person that needs to believe in that and that's you. And I've, I've learned that growing up and I, if I could pour that into all of my students and let them live that way now, that would be my ultimate dream. Yeah. And I've got a sneak peek of it and I cried through the entire thing. There are literally teardrops on the paper. So, you know, it's going to be good because I, it's not really that easy for me to cry during books. So there you go. Thank you. Um, but I want to dive into that concept that you were mentioning about the whole the whole fear aspect because there are so many people who in their minds they have this thing that they want to do you know whether it's go to a certain place for college or pursue a certain career or even just pursue a certain side gig of some sort and they keep it in their mind for pretty much forever because they're so afraid of what if they fail what are other people going to think and all those things like that so let's chat about that and just give me your perspective on that. Yeah, it's so funny. I just did an Instagram post about that admission that I often felt paralyzed because I was afraid of failure. I didn't speak my goals. I, oh gosh, I've been writing since I could hold a pen. I mean, I was the kid that had stacks of journals. I was the kid that walked into Barnes and Noble, as I still do, <laughs> and felt like it was mad at this magical land. And, but I always kept that on the back burner because I felt like, and I think this is what you're speaking to. It's the practicality of school and the job and the, this is what 
looks the way it should. And I want, I don't want to disappoint myself, my parents. I want to, right. We have these, this practical piece of us that sometimes steers us in the direction of what other people are asking of us. So how do you face that fear and go anyway? Is I think that's what you want to know. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Number one, I, I wish I had a magical answer because I think if I had that magical answer, I would share it. Yeah. What do I think has helped me? I can only speak of that is I've attached my passions to things that I will not waver on. And that's helped me to focus. So for example, with my book, I've attached that to my students and my own children, my three boys. And I say to myself, this is important because I want to number one, share this message with my students who I love dearly and other teenagers who I think I can help. But also I want to show my boys that don't you dare, don't you dare not go for it because of fear. So my boys, I mean, my eight-year-old will say, every time I hit send, he's like, did they say yes? You know, when we go into Barnes and Noble, he's so cute. He's like, where, what shelf is your book on? I'm like, it'll get there. You know, you have to believe in yourself and you have to fight that fear. And when it creeps up, you got to go back to that. Well, why not me? And look at examples around you of people that are doing what you want to do. Not compare yourself to them, but see that it's possible. And I know I've said this on other podcasts and maybe even on your podcast before, that small victories are showing you that you can. And once you hit a victory, even a victory that seems small will give you the courage to hit that next space. And I think that's how you fight your fear. You use your own history to show you that you're capable, right? And I know I've said this in class. The kids graduate high school and they're like, oh, well, you know, I gra-. no, that's a big deal. Graduating high school is a big deal. Getting into a college is a big deal. Passing your first semester is a big deal. People put that kind of aside because in their minds, they think it's what they're supposed to be doing or what is practical, but not everybody does those things. So I think once you start to look at your own history you'll see that you're absolutely capable and the fear will dissipate because it will be just, this is who I am and I'm following who I am. So that's the best advice I can give. Look at yourself and use your small wins to fuel you. No, 100%. I 100% agree. I want to, I mean, you, with this whole publishing of this book, you've been working so, so, so hard on getting it done. And I want to touch on the fact that like, people's dreams don't just come in an instant. Like it takes so, so much work. And if you could just sort of just touch on a little bit about your journey with trying to get this thing going and sort of how you've realized that the amount of work that it takes to sort of achieve something. Yeah, just go for it. Yeah, I think we like to see people in their fourth quarter. We like to cheer people on in their win, in their winning moment. But don't be mistaken that Everybody that's been successful is definitely been on, has been on a journey. I read this amazing article actually during this quarantine that talked about, they compared it to what a butterfly has been through. And it just spoke volumes to me because we see this amazing creature, but man, that butterfly went through a lot. The butterfly was a caterpillar. It had to make a chrysalis. It had to go through horrible things in that moment to then come out as this beautiful butterfly. I think if you see the journey as what it is and enjoy it, I think you'll keep going. I do. And celebrate the wins. 
it is not an overnight success story by any means. As I told you, I started writing this book in 2019. We're well into 2020. It is not with an agent yet, but that doesn't mean it won't be. And I believe you have to believe in your own goals. If you don't believe in them, no one else is going to. No one's going to care about your dreams more than you do. That's just a fact. And you've got to be willing to keep it to keep it going. And it's like losing weight. It's like all these things. Nothing of this stuff happens overnight, but we have this fantasy sometimes. We look at this, we look at people in their wins and we think, oh, that's not happening to me. Yeah, it's not happening to you because you're not doing the work. It's not because you can't, it's mm-hmm. because you have to do the work, which is hard. Yeah, no, right. 100%. Yeah. I want to touch on, so I know you talk a lot about this on your Instagram, is the whole concept of rejection, you know, and, and sort of <laughs> and sort of how that plays into sort of a dream life. So I think there's the other side of the whole dream life thing where it's like, okay, I can create this dream life for myself at 17, 18, 19, whatever. But like, there are so many things that are going to happen, like from that time until I turn 35 that are going to change so much. Like if I go for one thing and it doesn't work out, like how am I supposed to continue to go for that? Or how am I supposed to shift my entirety to create a new dream life for myself? And I want to know your perspective on this. Cause I feel like a lot of people come to me with that. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. All I know is that I've switched what I wanted to do like 16 <laughs> times in the past three years. And like right now I'm confident this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, so I don't really, I can't really say too much to that also because I am only 19, you know, so there's not really much room for me to do that. So I would love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, it's funny. Rejection is something everybody goes through. Everybody experiences. I don't care who you are. Everybody experiences disappointments, setbacks, all the things that we do not like and that are uncomfortable in life. Here's again what I would suggest is look at, you have to look back to understand how to move forward. I'm a big believer in that. When I look back at some of the rejection that I've experienced, even before all the rejection letters from literary agents and publishers, because that's just part of the writing process and publishing process, I knew that going in. I knew that I was going to, I was setting myself up for a lot of rejection. So I kind of went in with that armor. But a lot of times in life, we don't have that luxury of, okay, I'm going to go for this and it's not going to work out and you're ready for that. Instead, we go in with all this excitement, all this hope, and we get thrown this curveball that feels hard to recover from. Mm -hmm. And it can be, you know, but when you look back on your life and some of the rejection you've experienced, for me, I think back to growing up and falling in love for the first time, the second time, and having horrible heartbreak and how paralyzing that felt and how painful that felt for me and thinking that, you know, how do I love again? How do I recover again when I've been so hurt by a past relationship? Mm -hmm. But then you find new love and you recover. And thankfully you think, whew, thank God that didn't work out because I would have never found this. I like to call it the space between love. That's what it is. It's not like you're ever going to find it again. It just really is hard when you're going through that what feels like, again, rejection, disappointment. Sometimes we picture, and I know I've I've done that, I've pictured a life with somebody and then it doesn't work out and you feel like, how do I go on? It is hard, but then you realize you've been here before, you've survived before, and you will be happy again. The same thing happened when I started teaching. My first job I got, I loved my high school. I was so happy there. I loved my students. 
and I was laid off in June of that first year. I was 21, almost going to be 20. No, excuse me. I was 22, going to be 23. I was laid off, still living with my parents. And I thought that was my dream job. That's where I wanted to be. And then I was blessed to get the job where I met all of you amazing students in another district in Westchester County in New York. And I can't believe that at that moment, I was so distraught because now I look and I'm like, well, I hit the lotto. <laughs> I, yeah. It was the push I needed to be where I was meant to be and where I then became the cheerleading coach. I was able to teach the classes I wanted to teach. I mean, that's where in that next move, they didn't have electives at my old school. That's where I was. I taught media. I taught public speaking. I taught poetry. I and mean, all these amazing passions I had were right there for me. Mm-hmm. So it was devastating. Don't get me wrong to be laid off. But that rejection, that shift in my present pushed me to a future that was the right step for me. So I would say that everybody's going to have these things in their lives and everybody will prove to be able to move through them. But you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable and you've got to be willing to have faith in yourself and the decisions that you make, that you're always stepping in the right direction, even if it feels like you're unsure. Yeah, no, 100%. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I feel like a lot of the times you listen to things, you look at things and like that is nowhere, you know, talked about like ever. And I think it's such a key point to like what, you know, what sort of the process of like achieving your dreams looks like. I know for me, like going to California, like doing all these things, the minute it got hard for me, I was like, oh crap, like what do I do now? You know, because I was so sad. I'm like, oh, like I've been a semester abroad before. Like it was in a different country, like no big deal, like whatever. And then what was it? Week three or four, I was like, I'm behind in my homework and I can't, you know, keep up with the podcast and stuff like that. I was like, what? the heck do I do? You know, I had no idea because, you know, for so long, like it was just so easy for me. Like, like, you know, high school, I just had it figured out because my senior years, like I've been doing the same thing for four years. I had the same job for six years. Cause like I go to school, club, job, home, done. And it was fine. And then I come into this whole new area where I don't know anyone, anything really. Cause I, I, you know, it's freaking California. Like I don't know where anything is. And I was like, what the heck do I do? But luckily coming into 2020, I was able to gain two internships that I have fallen in love with and sort of figure out my major, my classes that are really something that I I'm passionate about to an extent and I've been able to sort of, you know, and going into the fall semester, you know, I have three internships, the podcast, everything like that, and all these classes that I'm super, super excited to take. And it's just, it's so crazy how you can bounce back from that. But the middle part of that was like, what do I do? You know, I was so set on like just giving up and like just giving into all of it. And like, thank goodness, you know, I didn't because where I am right now is, completely different from where I was four months yeah. It's human nature. I think too, people need to also feel like they're not, this isn't, you're not the only one to be in that space. We've all been in that space. And many of us have been thankful for that space, quite frankly, because it pushed us, right? And it's pushing you as well. You almost have to recognize, here I am, hold on tight, buckle up and go. You have no choice. That's your choice. Go. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Because you can't go backwards, you gotta go forwards. Right. I want to roll into the final question of the podcast. You know what it is. And, you know, I'd love to see if your answer will be different or the same. But based off the title of this podcast, what is one tip that you would give dreamers based off how you have fashioned your passion? 
Trust the voice inside. I know I say it all the time, but trust the voice inside. Listen to it. Don't push it away. Don't put it on mute. Try really hard to find those quiet moments where you can listen to what you really want and acknowledge it and be thankful for it. And then think about how you can make the steps to put you in that position to live the life that you really want to live. I would also, only one addition to that would be to focus on the beauty in your life, to focus and be grateful for the things that are present now so that you don't miss the things that are great. And it will happen, but you are the one responsible for making it happen. It's very easy to kick and scream and look at all the things that didn't work or are hard, but that will get you nowhere. It's actually a funny thing in my house. My two-year-old, we ask him, what does crying get you? And he says, nothing. <laughs> you know, because we just, that's it. it. Yes, you can be sad, but now what? So that's kind of a mantra here at the Perch House. Like, what are you going to do now? Yeah, okay. Now what? What's your move? So that would be my advice. And I think that if you're, first of all, your listeners that are here, they're already starting and doing the work and seeking the content that's going to fuel you and that's going to push you and hanging out with the people around you that are bringing things into your life. You're already doing the work and hopefully it feels good. It feels great. I always tell my students, if you're the smartest person in the room, get out of the room, <laughs> find another room, go find people that are going to pull you up and help you and get you to the place you want to go once you listen to yourself, because you know what you want to do. It's just a question of saying, here I go. I'm yeah, going to try. A hundred percent, a hundred percent every time. All right. Where can people find you on social media? So my Instagram account is Perch Gets Published. That's my journey of following my dream. And you'll see the rejection there. I don't hide any of it. It's all there. And you can also find me. I am on Twitter on Melissa Perch. And I am also launching my website on July 10th, which is my birthday. So please check me out on melissaperch.com. Thank you, Sammy Reyes, for all your support in making that happen. You've been amazing. So I hope you guys will check that out and we'll connect in all new different ways with that new adventure that I'm trying out. Yes, yes, yes. So that is correct. Her website launched today when this podcast comes out, which is super, super exciting. Also, be sure to go over your social media and wish her happy birthday because she deserves all the love in the world <laughs> and she just deserves it all. Perch, thank you so much again for coming on. This was probably, I would say, the best interview that I've had in the past year and a half. So thank you. Thank you so much. I thank you. You make it so easy. Talking to you and your listeners is a dream for me. I just am so grateful this podcast is up and running. Share it with your friends, guys, if you're listening, because if you're not doing that, you're missing out. Don't keep the goodness to yourself either. Share, share, share. Yes, yes, yes. Do everything she says. All right, guys, I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I hope you learned something from this episode. And if you did, don't forget to screenshot you listening to this episode, post on your Instagram story, and tag me at Fashion Your Passion podcast. I love hearing what you learned. As well, do not forget to scroll down and leave a rating and review. I love to read those too and know what you guys are thinking about the podcast. Be sure to tell all
all of your friends about this podcast because I want to spread this to as many teens as possible. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week.